Hey guys, Trey Llewellyn here. Another episode of Commerce Kings. We are on episode number nine already. Crazy, right? And so here's what's even better is I have uh, a, a really good friend that I've met, uh, got really acquainted with you in Las Vegas uh, at a private event, which was really cool. And uh, anyways, it's Jason Fladden. So welcome, Jason. What's up? Woo! So he's here. He's got his amazing artwork. I'm trying to catch up. I got something <laughs> I designed. He's got like actual artwork, which is pretty sweet. So dude, man, like I got to say, I was, I was, uh, I, so I'm sitting there on that couch, right? And you walk in and I think it was your day to present or something. And you got up there and, and you, you're like, yeah, I did this webinar and it was really cool. And I was like, oh, you know, I, I tried to do webinars and I thought I was doing okay. And you're like, yeah, we did this like one webinar and it did $3.29 million or something like that. And I was like, whoa, like, what is this dude doing right now? Like, that is, that's insane numbers. And so I was like, I got to become best friends with him because he's, he's doing something that, that I'm not. And it's absolutely amazing. And so what's cool is, is like, we've created this really cool, like friendship and just kind of chat and, and have fun. And I was like, dude, you need to come on Commerce Kings and like, tell these guys like, what's up and what you're doing and, and like how you became who you are. So anyways, I want to say, Hey, and, and thank you for being who you are and, and, uh, you know, just, just being chill. So it's cool. So welcome, man. Thanks for having me, Trey. I don't, I don't do these very often. So this is a special you, occasion. You do way more of these. <laughs> you, you have too much to offer, man. Like you have too much to offer. Well, we'll see what we do today. We'll see what we offer up today. Right. That's, that's what I, mean, I don't know. I don't even know what you're going to offer. So that's, that's what's so cool about it. Cause that's what, that's what's so cool about these, like these podcasts that I love doing is they're so chill and so easy to, to just, you know, kind of go at it and see what comes out of it. And sometimes it's good. And sometimes it's really good. <laughs> so man, so tell me, so give me some, like, I don't know, like some, I, some of the stuff I don't even know. And so like, what, what are you doing? What are you doing now? That's so cool. Like what's, what are you up to? So we do a little bit of everything. Kind of my philosophy with the online space, Trey, is if there's money being exchanged mm. and we can get in to that realm and, it, and we feel like we can add value to the customer in a way that they're lacking right now, we'll put our hands in it. So we got digital stuff all over the place. We got physical products all over the place. A lot of different software stuff, uh, massive WordPress uh, initiatives, and then on top of all that, you know, we're a big affiliate for a lot of things like ClickFunnels. And so basically, it's hard to pin this down. It's like if somebody says, what do you do? I say, well, what are you, what are you looking to get done? Chances sure. are I probably do that. And then I point the topic at the individual. Uh, but yeah, we've been in the game for about 10 years. And I've just, I've just been very interested in getting my hand on any piece of commerce that's happening online where we feel like it's trending upward and that we can get first mover advantage on. And we've been able to realize that a lot. And so we've been able to like recently doing the $3.29 million webinar. We just got off the back of that. Uh, you know, our best webinars have done over $10 million. Uh, some webinars don't do anything, right? <laughs> but yeah. you don't need that many wins. You could have a lot of losses, a few wins, and you'll do pretty good. And so we've kind of just, we've had this unique experience where we've been able to put our hands in all these different buckets, pull them out, and then we can kind of stitch it together. Because nowadays, I've noticed at least there's, there's a really, there's not a line anymore between mm -hmm. digital and physical. I mean, mm -hmm. there shouldn't be. If you're putting a line there, you're doing that artificially. It's easy to make digital customers physical customers. It's easy to make physical customers digital customers. And when you do one plus one there, you don't get two, you get an exponential. And yeah, yeah man. So I would, and, 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 and furthermore, at the end of the day, our company does a lot of things, but me specifically, individually, 
I try to focus as much on two things. The overall strategy, meaning mm-hmm. like, where do we go? Why should we go there? What's, what's our way to get our foot in the door and then expand on that? And then on a day-to-day level, it's all about conversion. What does a customer need to hear to know that they should do business with you as opposed to not doing business with you and maybe doing business with somebody else? So everything I really have in my demented brain boils down to conversion. How do we get more people to say yes? How do we get them to say yes more often in that higher dollars? So real quick, what, explain to these guys what you mean, explain to me what you mean by, because I think we're doing it, but let me see, going physical to digital and digital physical. So what do you mean by one plus one? Are you selling at the same time or are you doing differently or? So by the way, Trey, I would say you guys do it much better than almost anybody that I know. Uh, and then when you, so when you say we're kind of doing it right in one hand, you're absolutely correct because this is a new frontier. So all of us are pioneers here, breaking trail, coming home full of arrows. Uh, so you're doing it better than most, but the reality is, is if you look at the acquisition cost of a customer on a physical product side, it's generally higher initially. Now the trade-off here is there's more customers for every one person that wants to buy an information product. There's at least a hundred that would prefer to buy a physical product, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, so, so your trade-off there is because your initial acquisition cost is usually higher on a physical customer, but you have a bigger audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the beautiful thing is when, when any conversion takes place, not only do you get the economic value of it, but you get, you get mindshare value. Your customers will typically place you on a higher pedestal than most other options that are around there. And then when you have that mindshare, that attention on the back of that for this instance, following up with digital products not only are they more likely to listen to you, but you're actually creating demand. Somebody might not know that they want to know more about, about a tactical flashlight and then they buy one. And now all of a sudden they say, well, gee, what are the uses for this? What are the ways that I can use this in the bigger scope of things to get better protection, to feel more comfortable at home, to feel like I'm prepared in the case of an emergency? And they now have literally every problem you solve creates a new problem. That's a big saying in ours. So if we solve this problem by giving you this physical product that you want, we've created this new problem. Uh, because now you have the capacity to think about other problems and Mm -hmm. usually they're related. So then we follow up with digital and vice versa. See, the beautiful thing about digital is the only cost that you really have in digital on a backend transaction is the merchant fees, which is like 3%, right? Maybe you have a little bit of support, which is usually just a fixed cost anyway. So your, your profit margins on these can be 60, 70, 80, even 90% without Absolutely. even breaking a sweat, right? Yeah. Uh, so, so if you spend the acquisition on the front end in advertising to acquire the customer, on the back end, you say, what do you sell them? Well, you still sell them physical, of course, right? But now you sell them digital and now you can spend more to acquire a physical company. Uh, customer than your competitors can. So mm-hmm. you get more of those customers and then you have a back end that they can't meet because you now have the ability to transition them from just somebody who looks at you from buying this widget. You now become a thought leader in their space. And that's oh, when oh. the game completely changes, right? So that yeah. gap is very tremendous, but people tend to think too linearly and too binarily. They say, well, I sell this. That's all that I sell. Okay. Well then show me your bank account. Cause that's all you're going to make. Uh, it's not about what you sell. It's what does your customer want? What were they happy and eagerly trade money to get? That's right. They might not money out of their car, out of their car, out of their wallet and giving it to you. So you have to make sure like what, like is the product you're selling is the service you're selling is the digital product you're selling worth them leaning backwards and pulling their wallet out of their pocket and giving you money. Yeah. And and I'm telling you, they're going to spend that money anyway. So unless you want somebody else to get that money, um, 
which I don't recommend, right? <laughs> and here's why I don't recommend it, by the way, Trey, because who knows how they're going to take care of that customer? I don't know. It could be world-class or it could be piss poor, right? But I know if they give me the money instead, not only do I feel better because I've made more money, but now I can take an active role in being solution-minded for my customers as opposed to a hope and pray role. Uh, The reality is they're going to buy this stuff anyway. So you can get rich and help them or you can not get rich and not help them. And when you kind of think about it from that perspective, it comes a lot easier to have that that sort of leverage. Now, of course there are fundamental differences in how you sell physical products versus digital products. Uh, And unfortunately you can't just say, well, we did this this way for this physical product. Let's just do the same thing for this digital products. They're completely different appeals. Um, So you have to know that and you have to motivate yourself to want to learn those things. Everybody doesn't want to learn anything. Uh, I just want to do the same thing over and over again. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, That'll work until it doesn't. But if you say, okay, what are the few simple things that I can learn that can make a majority of the difference? And one of those things is understanding how do I transition, transition digital to physical and how do I transition physical to digital? Right. Mm-hmm. So you, we can explore those much more deeper if you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah. absolutely. So what do you do? Like, I mean, we're in the physical space. So like we're doing, you know, we got, we have our, uh, you know, she's our inventory of physical products. So what are you doing? What are you doing with physical products now? Uh, that's like, just like blossoming. That's really cool. So the thing that we do with physical products that I think separates us is I look at it from the experience much more than the product itself. Okay. Um, Because we're not selling, like, you think about these amazing devices where somebody has some sort of inventive genius breakthrough or -hmm. some sort of economic advantage so they can produce a higher quality at a lower cost. Very few of us listening to this are ever going to be in that position. I mean, the reality is we all go to the same places in China. We all interact with the same manufacturers and any slight advantage we get in our product, if our competition sees it, they could easily assimilate it and then your advantage evaporates, right? And so I always look at what's the the experiential advantage that we can have and give to the customer. It doesn't cost really much more, but it can make a whole lot of difference. I would rather sell the exact same thing as you and just make customers feel better about buying it from me than they do to you. And I will win, period. I mean, there's definitely a placebo effect in physical products. People will think the product is better just because they felt better when they purchased it. Mm -hmm. Uh, A customer will think you are a better company because not only did you get them to buy something, you got them to smile when they bought it. You got them to feel good about themselves when they purchased it and feeling good. You know, like we sold a lot of beauty products throughout the years. And my joke was this is somewhat cynical. I don't really truly believe this, but this is how I'd motivate my team. I'd say the reality is all beauty products are about 98, 99% water, right? I said, probably the majority benefit they get, at least at the price points they were paying from us, or the fact is they massage their skin, right? So any, anytime you massage any part of your skin, you're creating a physiological difference, and I said, the second thing that they do is they hydrate because it's water, right? Mm-hmm. So they, they hydrate it and the hydration is probably good. And then the third thing is if they feel good about it, they are releasing different chemicals in their body and they're getting a better result. I mean, we could sell nothing and probably get a good result if they feel really good about it. And so the way that we made an experiential difference there is we went through and we went to Amazon and we read probably a thousand reviews. Jeez. And, and 
this is why, because what a customer speaks of and what they really mean are usually two completely different things. Mm-hmm. And so if I read them on a case by case basis, I'm not going to get the bigger picture. I'm not smart enough to figure out what they really mean. And they're not smart enough in general to clarify what they really mean. They're not good at communication like that. Right. But if you read a thousand of them, you will see patterns. You will see certain phrases that they use. You will see certain use cases that have motivated them to they want to it. take this. Yeah, yeah they, they, t- they totally do. You will see things that what they don't say that will become apparent and obvious to you. Why aren't they talking about this? Clearly, their other language indicates that this is a factor, but they're not mentioning it. Mm-hmm. And then we take this holistic view in all of our stuff from our packaging to our communication to the pictures we use to the audiences that we target. It is all funneled based on what is going on in their head mm-hmm. when they're looking for this solution. And if I can speak to what's going on inside of you and how you feel to a de- greater degree than my, aud- uh, than my competitors will, you will automatically attribute that I have a superior solution just because I better understand you. And this isn't some like metaphysical woo-woo thing. You do this because you read and listen and see what the customers are saying and then you translate it. What do they mean? And then you recycle it back into the market, see how they respond, and you make adjustments as, as necessary. So that's the first thing. Now, the second thing is independent of all that, personality is everything. So this is a, something that we stole from the information side of our business. Because in the info, info space, two guys can sell the exact same piece of information, financial advice, right? Your broke mm-hmm. uncle could sell it or Warren Buffett could sell it. It could literally be the same exact product. One of them people will pay a lot of money for and actually use. Another one people will pay nothing for and never use, even though it's the exact same information. So Mm -hmm. in the info space, personality is key. Um, People buy for the person as much as they buy for the product. But then people go over here and sell these physical products and forget everything about personality. They talk about the features of the product and even the benefits of the product. Uh, but they don't make it, they don't joke around with them. They don't tease them. They don't create this, this, this otherworldly experience. I mean, there are certain people that do it uh, and they do it well, but they're so rare that any market where we add personality to becomes a massive competitive advantage. You know, I always joke yeah. about it. We, we Ronald McDonald the situation. You know, Ronald, Ronald McDonald, like the one, the one example I like given is uh, Brookstone. Yep. So Brookstone, you feel good when you walk into Brookstone. It's well lit. It's very modernized. It feels good. It feels expensive. And when you like, they have like really nice items that offset a lot of the other items. And I think that's really cool because when I go to China, I can find every single item in that store in yep. China, OEM. But the thing is, is because it has the tag that says Brookstone on it, because it has the name Brookstone, people feel like they're getting something of value more, more than uh, me just selling it uh, on the side street saying, hey, do you want you know, this really cool widget or this really cool thing? And because it's in Brookstone, because it has that name on it, yep. even though the product is the same, same, same concept. And I love it because it just shows you, yeah, I love the Uncle versus Warren Buffett uh, concept with the, with the personality. So... Okay, so we got experience, we got personality. Yep. 
And one more thing on that. So like we used to sell a lot of kitchen products. And so the thing I always used to do is I created this character where, you know, grandma in her kitchen mm-hmm. and grandma's secret recipes. And, mm-hmm. you know, then you start thinking about it from that perspective. So you start telling stories. You talk, you talk about the beat up pan that she's used for the last 35 years. And, you know, you talk about the oven that's so small that she can't cook everything at once. And so she has to plan her whole day around using it, right? But, but the love in which she cooks that seems to make the meals taste better, right? And here's what we're doing. By telling these stories, first of all, that's the personality that we just put in there, the grandma personality. But secondly, we're putting them in that mode because almost everybody in that market has a similar experience where they cook with grandma or they cook with their aunt or they helped around the the family, uh, the, the dinner table, right? And guess what's missing these days? All of that is missing in this fast food environment. And so, therefore, we restore some of that nostalgia. Now, they'll still probably just, you know, use it like they would use any other product, right? But for that one moment, the value add that we did is we got them to go back in time and be grateful and to be reminiscent in a very positive frame of mind. And people will pay 20 bucks for that. I mean, you think about that. It's like, why do people get addicted to drugs? Because they pay money for something that destroys and kills them. But for a brief period of time, it gets them high. How do we get a customer high during the transaction phase? So even if the product is okay, they'll pay 20 bucks because you made them feel better that day than they felt all week. And so whenever we talk about products, that's the number one thing we look for in our company is how do we make them when they see this product and decide whether they want to buy it or not, how do we make them feel the best they felt all week by looking at our advertisement? Mm. And, and that is a fun conversation to have because then you approach it from a completely different view. I mean, honestly, we won't even talk features and benefits half the time. We wouldn't even say it's made out of this material and blah, blah, blah. You know who does that? Everybody else does that, right? Instead, we put them in the state of mind and this frame of mind that makes them feel really good. And then we point it at the product and then they purchase it. And then, of course, on the back end, because next communication they have with us, they'll remember that feeling and now we take that and we transform it with digital products Uh, and again i mean there's a million people selling a million cookbooks out there but they're going to want to buy our cookbook simply because they're chasing the dragon so to speak to use the drug metaphor they want more of that feeling and we're the one giving it to them where other people probably aren't now the other way of doing that is like a brookstone we spend millions of dollars throughout the years building our brand profile Mm -hmm. and we do all sorts of things that don't pay off in the short term but eventually pay off in the long term and are unmatchable but unfortunately most of us won't be in that position for many years to be able to do stuff like that. So this is our hack around it. This is our shortcut. There's put it in putting the personality very specifically. If they've, if they don't feel anything else all week, they're going to feel good when they interact with us. And that's an advertisement. That's right. not like a piece of content. That's not a, a really nice heartfelt blah, blah, blah. But look at the dove commercials. You remember those with uh, when dove a couple years ago came out with those commercials and, and they had all these women talk about their experience. That was a straight up advertisement. That was, mm. there, was, there was nothing around that. And that was legendary. Uh, I'll give you one more example here. The ALS challenge, right? The, the ice bucket challenge, right? Yeah. What, is, what is having a cold water dumped on your head have to do with raising funds and helping breakthroughs in ALS? It has absolutely nothing, but I'll tell you what happens. People get together. They now have a social event that they can experience. They can share and express themselves on social media as a result. And all these critics who said, oh, this won't do anything. This is a big waste of time. Single greatest revenue raising uh, activity in the history of that company who created that. 
Why? Because they created an experience in the moment of the advertisement. Now, it's very indirect. Anybody can do it. Anyway, anybody can do it any way you can do it. Now, if everybody did it, Trey, it probably wouldn't work anymore. But the reality (laughs) is nobody does it. They think, well, if I just get on a retail shelf space, my life is set, right? Or if I just figure out some sort of way to sell this thing where I pay five bucks for it, but I can sell it for 25 bucks and I have this advertising in the middle, somehow I'm set. You're set until somebody comes in the market and steals your market share because they're providing some of this experience or they're doing something. I mean, the only other way you do this is invent some new technology, which is so risky, it's not even worth considering. Like, I'm not going to make the next iPhone. I'm not going to create the next uh, noise-canceling Bose headset speakers. Those guys have spent 50 years Mm. creating patents around that kind of stuff, right? Uh, I'm not an inventor. Some of you might be inventors and that's nice, right? But I'll tell you what, I could throw a rock and hit a hundred inventors down the street and I could buy one of those inventors and I'll just buy the one that I feel is going to make the most sense for the market and then put the marketing behind it with the personality, right? So tell me, so tell, do you have an example of something that's, that, that you've done in the past where you've done the experience? Like, can you walk me through that on a more like maybe 5,000 foot view of like the experience and the personality of a product that you took from? from start to finish and what, the, what that felt like? Yeah, so we had, and I can't even remember the specific kitchen product, but one there of the things go. that we did in our advertisement was we said, uh, once you purchase from us, we're going to share with you grandma's secret recipe for blank. I think it was apple pie or something like that, right? That cool. and, <laughs> and in return, we expect for you to share a special recipe of your own with us. Mm. And now we tr- we've traded the... The, the transaction from you want to buy to find the recipe and you want to buy so you can see, you could try to one up me because everybody thinks that they got some sort of, sort of special thing or some sort of exciting thing. Right. Um, you know, and, and, and then we would even tease it further. Hint, it uses a special ingredient found in most kitchens yet nobody thinks to use it for apple pies, you know? <laughs> and I'll tell you how I figured that out because I read a thousand customer reviews and people were talking about, home recipes. And they were talking about when they would buy this, they would say, Hey, I wish I knew more ways to use this product. I wish I had more ideas on how I could utilize this. Does anybody have any recipes? Mm. I mean, it was all there. Anybody could have done it. We just made it really fun. Uh, and then, you know, we built the whole thing around it with the whole campaign. But then you think about what should the packaging look like for something like that? It should be homespun. If you come out with this slick, fancy, glossy packaging that some ad agency comes up with, it'll look really cool. And all your friends will say, wow, that's a million dollar looking product, right? But you've now just been incongruent with your positioning for that product. If it's mothers in a mason jar kind of stuff, right? And now you're this big, fancy, highfalutin company, you're screwed. So instead, we try to make it nostalgic. So the packaging and everything around it was nostalgic. And then, of course, with that on the back end, not only does it open you up to sell digital as we discussed earlier, but it allows you to sell other physical products. So mm-hmm. if they if they run them through, I wish we would have known about, you know, your V curve and all your funnels that I've learned from you, Trey, back then, because then we would have been able to accelerate that brand very quick. Uh, I'm much in the mode of I like to build these things and then sell them. I mean, that's our, our mode. So I can go out at any given time where I have multiple physical product companies or zero physical product companies, because people will pay additional uh, brand equity value for something that has a story. It's intangible, but they'll pay a higher multiplier on that because most people won't ever do this. They don't want to do it. They think it's too creative. It's too hard. It's not, but that they're a loss or gain in a situation like that. So we'll build these up. Then we'll turn around uh, and we'll sell them. And, it, and this is great in a commoditized market. Like Amazon is now forcing everything to become commoditized. 
So how do we combat that? How do we get higher prices and still play in places like Amazon? We do it with stories. Uh, we can't change the sales layout in those e-commerce uh, platforms. So it's the same number of pictures, same headline with the same character limitation, but we create a different experience. We, and, and I'll tell you why we came up with that initially is the one thing that online will never be able to replace from offline purchasing. Like if I go down to my dry cleaners, hey, how's the kids' little league game go? Because we're on the same team. His kid and my kid are on the same team. Not really. My kids are not a little league, but just as an example here, right? <laughs> and you see somebody, they know who you are, you know who they are, you have idle chit-chat, you exchange some gossip, and you feel really good. That's a form of socialization. You will never get that online, period. The trade-off is convenience. The trade-off is you don't have to leave your house. The trade-off is potentially better prices, right? So mm -hmm. all of us would prefer to shop local, but, you know, the wallet is voting online and your mom and pop stores that you like to support, you don't care driving them into bankruptcy just to save two cents and not have to leave the house, right? Mm -hmm. But wouldn't it be wonderful if you could get that interaction? So we'll never be able to match that, but we try to online. We try to create that feeling like our kids are in Little League together. You're over the counter talking to me and you feel good about doing business with me because if I screw it up at the next PTA meeting, I'm going to have to show up with shame face, right? Mm -hmm. How do we transition that to an online perspective? That's when we started talking about, I'll share my recipes with you if you share your recipes with me. Mm. Uh, that's how we started talking about is we're a big believer in having family in the kitchen as creating good, strong family values. So if you shoot a picture of you and your family in the kitchen using our stuff, we're going to unlock for you a special family discount. We're going to treat you like cool. family, right? That's we would cool. even take positions like this trade. This is a very strong position once you get the customer is we would send out a personal letter to them and we would explain things like, you know, we're not a big company. We don't have international offices. We don't have PR firms scattered throughout the world. We don't have mass production facilities and manufacturing out there. Uh, and so for us, because this is our livelihood, because we put food in our kids' mouths based on the products that we sell, we treat every single customer like they're the most important thing in our family because they are. Because without you, we don't exist because we're not some big faceless corporation, right? And so we take it very seriously. So what we lack, quote unquote lack, because nobody wants to do business with a faceless corporation, but what we lack in this expert business prowess, we like to make up for with more of a personal care. So know that one of the owners of the company, if you have a question, it will get passed on to them. They will see it. Know that if you're not 100% satisfied, even 99% is not good enough for us because you're the livelihood of our business. Mm -hmm. We need each and every single one of you. And that, that, that goes back to that offline business, right? You treat these people that come in important because you need them. Otherwise, your, your, your little mom and pop store is going to close down and then you're going to be being an Uber driver or something like that, right? I so love that. That's we huge. Put, yeah, we put that back into the online space and we, it never is perfect, right? But at least people don't feel guilty about shopping online and putting a small mom and pop store out of business. We're the mom and pop store. You know, now we could be a 10 million mom and pop store, $10 million one or a $50 million one. It doesn't matter. Mom and pop. Uh, so... So you, you, so tell me about real quick of like how you did a follow-up campaign from Amazon. Yeah, well, so in this case, the number one thing we're trying to do is get better reviews. We want reviews that people can't copy, right? Okay. Because uh, like anybody could say, go here and say that. Yes. And they could even write it for them. Say, just post this. Uh, and they could do the normal things most people do to get reviews. Because reviews are like the social currency online that really mm. make 
especially on Amazon, but even off Amazon, super important to have really strong reviews. So we, how do we have one-of-a-kind reviews that are irreplaceable that nobody could match? So for this one campaign that we did, the way that we did the follow-up is this. We said, here's our marketing team. And then we showed the two kids uh, of the wife that was part of this business, right? And we had their names and we had them sign the emails. We took an image of their signature, like in crayon or whatever, right? And so, <laughs> so our point to them was that, you know, we take this very seriously as a family-owned, family-run business. Every customer is super important to us. And, my, and, and, and what's really important is our marketing, marketing team is very hard on us. Here's our marketing team, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they expect bedtime stories every single night. They expect to be tucked in. So this was a baby business. We sold baby products and toddler products in this business, right? That's cool. And I will tell you what. I know that sounds simple. I know that sounds like it probably wouldn't do anything. It did all the difference in the world. Uh, people would be writing these reviews on Amazon that started to say, I didn't believe these other reviews were true. So I bought this product just to see if it was really true or not. But this, and we did that with all the experience, right? Uh, The fact that the marketing department was a three-year-old and a five-year-old, right? Uh, The fact that the kids would take it very personal if you didn't tell them that there was something we could do to help, right? Um, You know, the philosophy from this came, yeah, two stories actually, Nordstrom and Zappos. So Nordstrom, they had there's this joke, and it might be true actually. I don't know if it is or not, but a customer comes in there one day thinking that they're like a tire store or like an auto shop, and they say, I need my tires changed. And the agents at Nordstrom, because it was built into the culture of the company, says, okay, no problem. Uh, just come back in two hours, we'll take care of it. Is that your truck out there? Yeah, it is. All right, no problem. And then he comes back two hours later and he's got a whole tire change. And they serviced his truck for him because they found somebody to come over there and fix it. Because their philosophy is we serve the customer. We create that one-of-a-kind experience for them. And so, so the second story, which is kind of the story that I really like because it's much more applicable to us, is Zappos uh, one day. Uh, Tony Shea, they're telling me the story because I went and I toured the Zappos headquarters in Vegas at the time. And – they're telling a story about how Tony Shea was bragging about his customers and they were willing to go above and beyond their customer support is for the customers. And so he says, I bet you we could call a pizza or call and order a pizza from the Zappos, uh, the, the customer support, and then we would get one delivered. And they're like, yeah, right. And so he calls there. He doesn't let them know he's Tony Shea, that he's the owner of Zappos, the creator of it. And he asks them to order a pizza for them. And so then, and this is like one in the morning, right? And so sure enough, Within the next 45 minutes, the pizza comes because the Zappos customer service person took their order. They then went, called a pizza place, arranged for it to get delivered to wherever they were at, right? And so that's an, that's a second example of creating that experience on the back end where you're not – you transcend selling a product and you start selling – an experience and it doesn't have to be a lot. Most people don't do this. So it's like if our customers ask us to order a pizza for them, we'll order a pizza for them. And you say, well, Jason, that might cost you $20. I'm going to tell you this. You will make far more than that in the word of mouth that you get and the goodwill that is spread in the review currency that you'll create as a result of that. And so anticipate, think about, create, and most importantly, build into your culture, into your company is how do we sell experience when everybody else is selling products Let's sell experience. Uh, you know, so like McDonald's doesn't sell hamburgers. They sell the place where kids can go and have fun. You know, that's why they created Ronald McDonald. He doesn't actually exist. Uh-oh. Do you hear that? So that's Alexa. So 
<laughs> Alexa, stop. So she's giving me Ronald McDonald facts. So, by the way, that's an experience in its own right. Uh, uh, I'll tell you a quick story of that one, too, while we're at it is uh, we get all of Alexa's. I got like five Alexa's hooked up in the house, right? Because um, we were hacking and figuring out how do we become the Amazon's choice so that way customers could direct order purchase from, from the Amazon Alexa app. Uh oh, now she's going to talk again. Uh, so, <laughs> so basically, one day my son, he's trying to tell her to play music because it plays music off of this thing pretty good. And so he's trying to tell her to play My Little Pony. Uh, instead, she hears Buy My Little Pony. And then she says, Do you want to buy this My Little Pony stuffed uh, animal? Right. And my son, he's three at the time, he says, Yes. And I don't know anything about this until two days later, I get this stuffed animal, My Little Pony, in the mail. And I said, what the hell happened here? Now, the cool thing is on the Amazon app, they will record every audio input that you put. So you can literally listen back to, like, the audio file of it. And sure enough, there's my son, Max, clearly saying, play My Little Pony, and her hearing, buy My Little Pony. That's when we turned off automatic purchases at that time. <laughs> but, but the lesson wasn't lost on me. They've engineered a better experience to where you can, hands-free, just sitting there, order a product. Now, that's a technological breakthrough. But how do we create that experience with the customer? How do we make them feel like we're at the other end of the counter in a local dry cleaner? Our team, our kids are on the Little League team together. Um, we would pitch in and help them if they needed. How do they know that they're buying from real people on the other end with real lives, not big, soulless, faceless corporations? And how can we make them feel good about doing business with us above and beyond just what they're buying from us? That is where you win. And now if you want to add the, the digital to the back of that, now that they're in such a favorable, predisposed mood to want to do business with you, send them digital products because that's where you can easily add a zero to your bottom line of what you're making because the, the profit margins are super high on that. But the trade-off is it's, it's typically harder to sell that kind of stuff because it's intangible. They can't immediately use it as soon as they get it and put it in their hands, right? And it, it requires them to actually consume it, understand it, and then react to it. But you have that additional leverage. You're not just another company that they could substitute with somebody else who came along with a penny off better deal than you, right? You have now created a positive experiential change where if nothing else happened that week, you were that one thing, that highlight of the week. And you apply that to your to any business and you just you change the economics, no, period. Jason, uh, here's the deal. is We are going to go behind the scenes of Commerce Kings right now because I want to dig in to a couple big things that have changed your life along with something that you don't normally share with the public that you've, uh, you've given us permission to, uh, to ask you about. So, guys, if, uh, I appreciate you listening. If you're ready to go behind the scenes with Jason and I, check out commercekings.com with a K uh, forward slash VIP. So that's commercekings.com forward slash VIP. Jason, how do these guys follow you? How can they find you? Oh, that's a, that's a good question. I don't really know how. <laughs> uh, yeah, the best way is, you know, rapidcrush.com is our company. And that's that's where we're there. You know, it's funny because we just focus so much on the customer experience that we don't even think about 
the easiness in which to become a customer of ours (laughs) absolutely breathtaking like i gotta go do some research on some commercials it seems on the als challenge along with you know really restructuring our way of looking at reviews creating the experience and moving into that personality which was just i mean that was that was good stuff that was amazing plus the story this yeah Uh, one more quick thing trey uh, remember what we talked about the other day. So I, I, I did a little jam session with Trey real quickly. And I said, if they can feel like they're coming on for a cause, not just for education, because we were talking about selling a digital product on the back of his physical product business. I said, uh, that's where I would start to look. And that all comes from the same place. Uh, so we had people that were the, the intent and, you know, you got to adjust if it doesn't work the first time. But the intent is if they can feel like they're doing something positive to defend themselves or to to advocate for their rights and to be part of a cause, if you can get them to show up with that, that changes all the game. And so that was the same process. I mean, you've seen it firsthand and how I think about that stuff, Trey. And then on top of that and education. So they get education plus this. What experiences can we all add in? That is the key, I think. And it's good for digital products, but I think it's the, the biggest leverage point for physical products right yeah, now. I love it, man. I love it. And I appreciate and sorry you for interrupting time to be on here. <laughs> so, guys, uh, follow Jason. Go over to raptorcrush.com. It's absolutely amazing what he's doing over there and, uh, and doing for his customers because we have a lot of stuff to learn in, in that arena as well. So my name is Trey Llewellyn. This was Jason Fladden. Jason, uh, hold on a little bit, and we'll go behind the scenes.